Welcome to season four of Mental Health in Minutes, the podcast where we normalize mental health conversations at work and share the strategies and tactics that make those conversations ones you actually want to have. I'm your host, Lindsay Recknell, a psychological health and safety advisor, a workplace mental health consultant, a speaker, facilitator, and an expert in hope. If you're listening to this episode, you know our people need us more than ever, and I know you want to support them, but maybe you don't know the words to use to engage them in conversation or how to respond when they do open up. That's what this podcast is all about. My guests will share tactical, practical, and simple ways to connect with your people, let them know you care about them and are there to support them, and believe in them enough to continue investing in their career and personal development. Each episode will also discuss the future of mental health in the workplace and the top ways we can engage our leadership in the workplace mental health conversation and have them endorse and pay for a positive culture shift within our organizations. It's hard to put into words what the first three seasons have meant to me as a workplace mental health professional. I'm honored to learn from my guests and walk alongside them as they solve some of the biggest issues facing their organizations today. One of these issues, dare I say the biggest issue, I hear from leaders right now is that they and their people are suffering from burnout, a syndrome resulting from chronic workplace stress. Burnout is very personal to me. The first time I experienced burnout was November of 2017, and this experience started me on the path to learning everything I could about burnout and what I could do to prevent it, especially at work. Be assured, you can stop the slide. Burnout is not forever, and you do have the power to come back from the edge of burnout, you and your people. I've included a few simple strategies and tactics in my free training tryout, package of materials you can download for free right now from my website at mentalhealthinminutes.com forward slash tryout. Without too much effort on your part, you can get started engaging with your team and teaching them to stop the slide into burnout for themselves. Included in this training tryout, you'll find two different lengths of presentations, a 15-minute and a five-minute version, as well as the speaker's notes for each, along with a quick training video and a checklist to help you get started. Easy peasy. Just go to mentalhealthinminutes.com forward slash tryout and download your free copy now. I'll also link to the download in the show notes of this episode. Let me know how it goes. You are in for a treat with this week's guest, Amy McKay. Amy helps leaders find more time for fun, family, and even themselves without costing productivity. She spent nearly a decade ill with chronic diseases until she found healing through fitness, nutrition, and meditation. Through that experience, Amy discovered a passion for healing and now holds over 16 certifications related to mind-body wellness. She offers coaching and training to reduce stress and overwhelm and focuses on mindfulness, leadership, and well-being. We're going to speak all about compassionate and empathetic leadership at work, and I cannot wait, so let's get going. Hello, Amy. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me. It is such a pleasure to have you here. I'm really excited for our conversation because this is really a topic I don't know a whole bunch about. So maybe let's just start in with uh, you sharing in your words who you are, what you do, and who you serve. Fabulous. So my name is Amy McKay, and I help people in leadership positions find more time for fun, family, and even themselves without costing productivity in business. My focus is on obviously like time management and stress management, but it's emotional intelligence, um, well-being, and leadership, and more specifically, empathetic leadership. Those are the things that I help develop. And I do mindfulness-based practices to develop those traits, basically. Oh, I love it. How um, how are you finding mindfulness being embraced in the workplace? Or are you? It is now. You know, the um, virus mess. I've been preaching it for years. 
You know, I've been, we called it, um, we used to say, I used to call things um, relaxation techniques and it was technically not formal mindfulness training, but it was mindfully you know, kind of based. So since the virus mess, there's a, you know, it's, it's huge. Now people, I'm like, I've been preaching this stuff for years and now everybody's like, yes, let's be nicer and let's uh, practice the pause and things like that. So it's, it's definitely more well-received and mindfulness kind of can be this buzzword. So it's important to understand that it's not, um, unfortunately, that's kind of what happens when something becomes super popular, it becomes a buzzword and then there's a lot of misunderstanding about it. So there's no, for me, it's very neuroscience and physiologically based and it's simple practices that anybody can do and it's no religion necessary and anything. If you, if you connected to it, great. If not, that's, that's great too. So I, I like to say that, you know, nothing like a global pandemic to help us spread our message. <laughs> right. Yeah. And we know like workplace, you know, you know, workplace uh, wellness and well-being has been an issue for decades and decades. And, and now we're forced to pay attention to it. Right. Forced. Yeah. And, and people are demanding that we do, you know, we don't, we don't have expectation that we are going to check ourselves at the door, that we are going to bring our whole selves to work. The awesome, the awful, all of the things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> all real now. Yeah. Right. And, and that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of what's been really cool for me is this universal experience that we're all having has made mental health at work, a real personal experience. And I think because it's personal to us, people are a little bit more willing to have these kinds of conversations, which is awesome because the more conversations we have, the more knowledge we can share, the greater the mental health maturity we can raise. And then we get to have conversations about mindfulness and empathetic leadership at work. Absolutely, absolutely. Can you tell me what does it mean uh, when you use the language of empathetic leadership? So when I talk about empathetic leadership, I'm speaking as empathy as a uh, domain of emotional intelligence. So in emotional intelligence, we have um, a number of different domains. And my focus is on self-awareness and, and empathy specific, because I feel like those have this huge impact on communication, well-being, relationships, and, and basically how we operate. Um, and empathy is really just the, you know, like I said, it's a domain of emotional intelligence and it's the capacity, the ability to um, feel what other person's feeling. And emotional intelligence is knowing what you're feeling, knowing what somebody else is feeling, like understanding your emotions and understanding, recognizing and understanding yours and another's and being able to make a conscious choice. And empathy is just another domain of emotional intelligence. And it's what drives us to feel compassionate. And that's what moves us to act. So that's the aspect of leadership. And we need leaders to do that. You know, we need, people want to be validated. That's what's going on in their workplace is people don't feel validated. They don't feel heard. They're fed up. They're done, right? Because they don't feel heard. So if we can come from a place of being empathetic, a little bit more compassionate, we can make more conscious choices to get everybody's needs met because we still, businesses are in business to make money. I mean, at the end of the day, we still have to do that. We can't just say, oh, you just, you know, you can just do self-care and, and and self-care is actually still doing your job, but doing it with passion and purpose instead of stress and overwhelm. Oh, there is so much there I want to unpack. You use <laughs> my magic word, which is compassion. I truly yes. believe that compassion has the power to change the world. And I love, again, that we get to have conversations about compassion in the workplace. When... And when you use it kind of interchangeably with empathy or side by side with empathy, 
it really makes me think about these feelings that we are being forced to, to speak about at work, which for many of us is uncomfortable in our personal lives, let alone talking about our feelings <laughs> in the workplace. So can we talk a little bit about that and how how you help your clients get over that, I don't know, uncomfortableness, the stigma around it, how we create psychological safety so we can speak about these kinds of things? Sure. There's, there's a few different questions going on there. So I want to address first the, the idea of talking about our, our feelings and emotions. So instead of, if we could shift our perception from being emotional um, and that irrational idea that, that, we, that, that we think emotions are being, that we're irrational, that they're, not, that they're not okay at any point, that they're not safe, that they are a problem and, that, and, and switch that to being, how do we become emotional, you know, emotionally intelligent? There's a difference between being emotionally reactive and consciously choosing based off your emotions. So what we want to do is move to being con- you know, conscious choices. The way you do that is um, in mindfulness, we know and neuroscience tells us that the simple act of beginning to name what you're feeling begins to deactivate your amygdala, right? That fight, fight or uh, freeze part of your brain. And it begins to allow you, and again, this takes practice. This isn't like a one time and done sort of deal. Uh, so we know that it deactivates that and allows you, doing that allows you access to your, free pro, your uh, prefrontal cortex. So that's where all higher levels of conscious thinking, visionary leadership, creative stuff, intuitive stuff, um, morality, all of these, there's actually nine aspects of well-being that are developed through these types of processes. But would it be better to be the, you know, that part of your brain that is the um, in the need to survive, that survival instinct? That's where we're at when we're stressed and anxious and, and, and whatever. Or would it be better to understand your emotions and make a decision based off of what you're evaluating and let them just be what they are. Like we all have them. We're humans. Like I call them human skills as opposed to, um, we used to call them soft skills, right? Well, they're not soft skills. They're like the most needed skill of all time. And I don't find them to be soft. They're, they're hard. (laughs) Technically it's hard work. It's hard work. It's not easy work. Anyone go take a class and come up with strategies and processes and, um, logistics and analyze things and give a list of things to do. Anybody, anybody can can do that for the most part, but it takes someone that's really willing to be vulnerable to dig deep into what's going on and then make a, a choice off that. So um, that's the first part of that. What, what you're saying there is a understanding that we're not wrong for having emotions, that that's a human thing and being able to validate them within ourselves. If you can't validate them yourself, how the heck is someone else going to validate them? You know, that's not not very realistic if you're walking around denying it. So does that does that answer? <laughs> yes, it totally does. Um and what about what about if the folks that are listening are sort of doing some self-reflection and thinking, "Huh, maybe I am that one. Maybe I am the one walking around you know, denying or not naming my emotions. Um, What would you say to those fine folks on where they could start with this work to become more empathetic and to become more compassionate? Sure. I think that, I mean, you have to have some self-awareness, right? So I have this, I always just say, practice the pause. So take two minutes and pause, Uh, typically like during a transition period during the day, maybe before you check your phone before you check your email. Everybody wakes up in the morning and checks their phone for the most part. Well, 
stop for two minutes before you check your phone and pay attention to your breath. Maybe before you eat, maybe in between work and home. And now that work and home are sometimes really blended, it's really important to say, okay, I'm taking two minutes. I don't have to try to homeschool work and run a household. Um, let's take two minutes and tune in and ask yourself, how am I, how am I feeling? You know, th- those little things. How am I feeling? Is this really what I want to be doing? Because I think what's happened, like this great resignation is people have been doing what they, and it's basically a great reevaluation. People have been doing things they didn't want to do. They just thought they had to. And now if we pause and can we figure out who we are, like, what is my purpose? And what am I passionate about? What are my unique skills? And how do I either use them at work or get a new job? Like if, if it's not working, like I don't want to encourage anyone to quit their job, but maybe your job isn't what's best for you anymore. You know, maybe it is. I've had clients where I literally, she just, one just changed position, just changed positions in her company instead of getting a new job. She thought she was going to have to quit, but it was more about how do we get her a position that she gets to be creative. She had these amazing creative skills. She wasn't having her job. She's like, I make all this money and I can do all these things because of it. And I don't want to give that up, but I'm unhappy every day. I, you know, and, and now she's thrilled. She got what she wanted, but she just had to, she just had to use remember who she was and what mattered to her and work that into her position. That whole job redesign kind of concept is so amazing and fascinating to me. Um, You know, you mentioned the great resignation and for anybody who's listening, who hasn't heard that language yet, it's this, um, I guess this most of activity going on in Mostly in the United States, we we hear about that language a lot where people are reevaluating what's important to them and what, you know, where where their priorities are and recognizing that maybe the current job that they're in or the company they're working for, or the leader that they engage with day to day is not serving them best and evaluating kind of their priorities as far as what they want out of a job and what they want out of a role. They say, statistics say that up to 75% of people surveyed have either left their job or are thinking of leaving their job in the last six months, which is unprecedented for any statistics I've ever heard. And we're recording this in February of 2022 for those who are listening uh, in the future. Um, And I'll be interested to hear what the stats might be in the future and how companies aligned to or met people where they're at from a um, a job design and employee fulfillment kind of point of view. Yeah. I always go back that to future values. works. The what? Yeah. I was just going to say that the future of work will be super interesting if only we had a magic crystal ball. <laughs> right. <laughs> that would be helpful. Yeah. I, I'm a big fan of going to values. If something, if some job, if some relationship, like at its very simplest, if you go, um, I always start with this in, in first coaching sessions too, and I teach it in corporations is get a very simple list of core values and come up with your top five, you know, go through that list and you don't have to do it immediately. Maybe it takes a, a week to process them. Come with your top five. And if your job the people you work with, the people you hang out with, your relationships, however that may look, don't align with that, you're going to have problems. So I mean that we can do all the self-assessments and, and all these things that, that we do. It always amazes me too. People will be doing 12,000 self-assessments, but they won't talk about what they're feeling. Um, 
So, so that's always intriguing. So I'm always like, get, get to the basics. Your core values are going to what are going to be what matter regardless, because there's going to be conflict if you don't have that. No. Well, and hopefully what you say your stated values are also align to your behavior or how you're showing up at work. Right. You absolutely must. And people will pick, um, choose these values. Sometimes they choose them. And I always have to give instructions that say not who you want to be, not who you think you should be, not who you want people to believe you are, not who you pretend to be, not any of this BS. This is who you are at a core level. This is called core values, not a bunch of crap. This is you, authentically you, and that there's not a right or wrong. There's not, there's not, there's not a right. It's, it's what you are. And the narrowing it down to five is always intriguing because that helps people get a little bit, a little bit clearer picture of that. Like I have truth at the, um, the top, like my number one deal breaker is that. And there, if, if there's a smidgen of dishonesty, I am uncomfortable. So um, and there are people that don't have that. I'm like, how can you not have that in your top five? But there are people that don't, right? So, and there's, again, not right or wrong. That's just how we, you know, your individual experience of how you show up in the world. And you do, I always, always say you must think, act, and feel in line with your values. If you don't, you're not in alignment and it's life's going to be challenging. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Somebody said to me, or I read somewhere, I don't know, this has come up a couple of times in the last couple of weeks, actually. It, the idea of when you're doing values work, um, consider if somebody was to ask somebody in your life, your family member, your colleague, whomever, if they were to ask that person what your top three or five values are, would they align with what you wrote on the paper as your your values? And I think that has been that has been a, a, a question that's been spinning around in my head um, because I want to believe that people would align my behavior with my the words that I associate as my values. But is it true? I don't know. I need to start asking people. I should just yeah. stop talking about it and just go ask people. Yeah, I think you should too. Absolutely, it's it's essential to get a, another perspective because we view ourselves as a certain way and. I think the uh, Simon Sinek does some amazing work and he talks about that. The quickest way to find out more about yourself is to simply ask somebody else how they um, perceive you, you know, um, or ask mm-hmm. them. He has a quick little video on it. Ask them why. I think he says something about why is, why, why am I, why are you friends with me? And they'll tell you what, what are basically, and a lot of times what comes back are those things that are your values. They're friends with you because of, these very specific things. And it's not about the things you do. It's about the end of the day, how you make them feel because of this person of who you, you know, who your whole being really is. Ooh, I'm definitely going to look up that video and link to it in the show notes. So, uh, (laughs) you know, if if you're interested, check it out there for sure. So if we're thinking about authentic leaders that are showing up aligned to their values, and let's say they're also magically aligned to the values of the organization, what behaviors are those authentic, empathetic leaders displaying to their teams? That's a very good question. So curiosity and compassion. Okay, so compassion or, or empathy. So they're validating what's going on. Even if you don't agree with somebody, let's say you, you know, you're at work and like this person's having some 
feelings that you don't you don't necessarily completely understand. You can still validate their experience because that's where they're at. And that is kind of an aspect of psychological safety. You're giving them space to be where they're at. And that helps them move into a new space to be more receptive if you allow that. And then just asking questions. Curiosity goes a long way. Coaching is all about asking questions so somebody figures it out on their own. So it helps them to figure it out and it helps you to figure out what do they need? Do they need to have a timeout? Do they, you know, do they just seem to have something to eat? Maybe um, do they have a personal problem that they can't focus at work because they have this other issue going on? Are they not healthy? You know, um, what do they need? They need to figure it out to some degree to themselves. But if you ask the right questions, and I think that's kind of what's going on in workplaces is that leaders are becoming coaches, not just managers. They are coaching people. If you're going to be successful in business now, I think that's the direction that it has to go is to be able to, you know, be compassionate and curiosity. And those are two big things in coaching that we, that we do. Well, and uh, very cool because compassion and curiosity are two of my top values. (laughs) It's like I set you up for that one. (laughs) which I didn't people, by the way, I did not at all. (laughs) So if there are folks listening and they're thinking, man, I really want to do this work intentionally in my organization, but we don't have, I don't feel like we have a psychologically safe environment that would be receptive to this work. What do you say to clients like that or potential clients that are in that situation? Well, are they even open to what psychological safety means and being willing to do the work? Because I feel like there are people that are receptive to that idea and there are people that are um, still trying to micromanage people, especially now that we have people working from home. So to create a space of psychological safety, you can't micromanage somebody's time when they're working from home. So I see this as a big, huge issue that um, companies wanting people to be online a certain number of hours or, or to be on all these Zoom meetings and th- this isn't helping uh, um, the situation. So trust is a big issue. So what are they going to do to build trust? You know, and they're going to have to sit down and have these conversations with their employees. Like, what is it you really need? You know, do you want to be in the office? Because this is another issue with people that are saying, well, I'm not going back to the office now. I've been home. I'm having a good time. I had to adjust to this and now I've worked it out. And now you want me to go back and wear pants at, at the office and, you know, these crazy things after sitting in yoga pants or um, sweatpants or whatever and doing that. So there are ways to build psychological safety, but you have to ask the questions. Is, is everybody willing to do the work, you know, and it, it requires being vulnerable and expressing what's going on and again, validating what's going on and asking all of those questions, um, individually asking yourself, developing the self-awareness and then building that awareness as a team and being very mindful, being intentional, you know, what um, making, helping people to feel safe is allowing them space to be vulnerable and allowing them to make mistakes basically. And to not, you know, we have to move from, our end goal is over here to how does our everyday life look? You know, how do, how do we operate every day? Instead of we have all these things we need to do and this is how we're going to get there. Well, now we're not just going to get to that way. We're going to have human skills and we're going to learn how to communicate. And I have this, it's acknowledge, appreciate, ask. Those are three things that in any conversation, acknowledge, appreciate, and ask. That will get you 
that is a very quick, simple way to start establishing some form of psychological safety. Everybody starts speaking like, acknowledge, appreciate, ask. (laughs) That's brilliant, because my next question was going to be, if a workplace... Uh, if if the workplace that this hypothetical leader is living in is not psychologically safe, um, it might feel almost impossible to do this work or even to start engaging in this work. So my question was going to be, how can we give those folks hope that there is a possibility to do this work in the future? Like what, where, do you have ideas on where they could start so that, they can pave the future towards having a more um, compassionate workplace, more psychologically safe workplace? The workers if they're not the, there yet? The workers are the leaders in the organizations. Who, yes. Both of them? <laughs> yeah. Both of them? Well, the leaders need to be self-aware. So they're the ones that have to hold space, right? So they need to be grounded and present and willing to be receptive. So we I pra- we do these mindfulness-based practices that are like mindful breathing because it um, impacts your nervous system, body scans because it gets you grounded and in tune and being very present. These are things, um, a loving kindness meditation because it helps cultivate compassion. Like these are all little mindfulness-based practices that if you teach people and they practice them, that it just kind of happens. It's, it's almost kind of magical, or at least it has the space to you know, the capacity for it to happen is there because you shifted the energy and the way people are are interacting. So I'm always, always a fan of mindfulness-based practices to rewire your brain and your nervous system. They just open up that. And they don't have to be, you don't have to be a monk on a mountain chanting Om. I mean, it's not like that. <laughs> not like that at all. It's these little mini moments. It can be mini moments. It can literally be before I speak, I'm going to put my hand on my chest and I'm going to take a couple breaths. Before I walk into this meeting, I'm going to sense my hands and feet. When I walk in this meeting, I'm going to use acknowledge, appreciate, and ask. Or before a Zoom meeting or uh, before like people that are in sales or sales calls or whatever, before those meetings, do those things or do those things within them. Um, yeah, that's, that's it. Does the prompting matter? Like I hear you say, you know, do this at this time, do this before you do this activity. Does, do the prompts help? Well, you, I transition periods are the easiest. I did that. I tell you, I did this goofy experiment one time. I was not feeling grateful. I'll be honest. I was, had a bad attitude. So I um, said, I'll, I need to practice feeling more gratitude. This, this isn't going to work this way. So I set my alarm on my phone to go off every hour for me to practice gratitude. And let me tell you, I wasn't feeling very grateful. Like I couldn't get into the feeling of being grateful because it's interrupting my work. So um, transition periods, they're just natural opportunities to regain presence. And you don't want to, if you're focused on something, you don't need to stop. Like if you're focused and present with your work or with a person, you don't, you don't need to stop and, um, you know, reanalyze that. So I don't think, um, there's a practice in communication where it's um, listening, looping, and dipping, and listening's being an active listener. You know, everybody's either thinking about what they need to do, they're feeling anxious, or they want to check their phone or do whatever. They're not like actively, fully present listening. So listening, then looping is validating, like repeating what the person's saying. So when that person is telling you what's going on, 
you repeat it and repeat it until they feel heard. And a lot of times people don't feel and don't try to fix the problem. Sometimes people try to fix it. Don't try to fix it. Just repeat it so they feel validated. And then dipping are those processes where you are tuning into you. What am I feeling? Am I feeling anxious? Am I thinking about this? Am I distracted by the sounds or or whatever? So that you become that. So it's looping, uh, listening, looping and dipping is one of our a major practice that um, I, t- I taught this multiple times in organizations. Always very intriguing to watch people because nobody, everybody will always when you get into teams, so you do it in groups of two and practice this, you do like this three minutes of speaking and then three. Nobody will validate very, very consistently. They will try to fix it. So it's nice that you want to try to fix someone's empathy is not about fixing somebody else's problem. It's about understanding their problem. You know, it's not about, and it's not about having crappy boundaries. I've had people tell me empathy is this horrible thing because I feel bad for everybody and now I feel bad. No, that's crappy boundaries. So. So yeah, that process, that um, it's a good process. You know, the, the acknowledge, appreciate, ask is a, a simple way to kind of use the words. And then the listening, looping and dipping is the more detailed, effective communication because every organization I speak in, it's a communication problem. They're trying to describe it over here as something else, um, but it's literally a lack of effective communication almost always in some capacity somewhere so because people don't feel heard they're not getting what they want and nobody nobody's understanding and being compassionate so oh all of the language all of the words that are resonating so deeply in my heart because so i have a within mental health in minutes in the monthly subscription we have a module called intentional listening for exactly this reason because people will tell us that they are awesome listeners And some people are pretty good listeners, but I would say the number of awesome or like above average quality listeners is very few and far between. There is absolutely things we can learn uh, about listening, whether it's active listening or some of these uh, techniques you talked about. I love the alliteration, very easy for me to remember, and I'm sure for the listeners as well. Uh, So thank you for that. This has been such a magical, wonderful conversation, Amy. You have such great passion and energy for this work. It feels, it doesn't feel overwhelming. um, Some of the things that you're talking about, I could hear, you know, I could, I can, I can imagine that the listeners could pick up some things that they could try to see if they worked and then, you know, rev- um, review and revise and things like that. But definitely some real great strategies and tactics there. So thank you so, so much for joining us. If the audience wants to learn more about you, where where do they find you and what uh, how how can they work with you? Sure. So on my website, amymckay.com or mindfulnessleadercoach.com, and LinkedIn, I'm on all the time. I have a, um, a brand new, we've done it before and now we're back doing it again, a, a weekly meditation. So that, that's free. Anybody can, can, can join that. I offer coaching and basically workplace wellness stuff, all again in emotional intelligence, leadership, and well-being. Amazing. And we will link to all of those places uh, in the show notes as well. Now we've got lots of good stuff to check out in the show notes. So please, people, go go there. It has been awesome, Amy. Thank you for sharing your brilliance with us today. I look forward to connecting with you again real soon. Thank you. Take care. 
It's my favorite when you can hear the passion in the voice of a guest. I have the benefit of seeing them speak when we're recording, and I'm often inspired by that. But I think it's extra special when that same passion shows up in audio recordings too. Can't you just feel the energy Amy has for helping leaders find more self-awareness and to implement the strategies for greater empathetic leadership? Me too. At the beginning of the show, I mentioned the free training you can try out with your teams, all about stopping the slide into burnout, that feeling of overwhelm and endless stress so many of us are experiencing right now. To complement those materials, which you can download for free from my website at www.mentalhealthinminutes.com forward slash tryout, I've also created a 60-minute live virtual or in-person workshop titled From Burnout to Hope, which has been transformational for so many organizations. You and your team will leave this workshop understanding how to identify the signs of burnout in yourselves and others, how to put that action into evidence-based strategies and tactics to reverse the feelings of overwhelm and activate the hope circuit in your brain for a future even better than today. It's hopeful, practical, and transformative, and I'd love to bring it to your organization. On our website, you'll find more information about this workshop, as well as the Mental Health in Minutes digital subscription, a done-for-you package of presentations and other content designed to help you make meaningful connections with your people, to increase knowledge and education about mental health-related topics, and normalize these kinds of conversations in your workplace. The thing we do best at Mental Health in Minutes is open the door to conversations about mental health at work, and episodes like this give us real things we can try to truly make a difference. Being a people leader is especially hard right now. You might feel like you're managing both up and down the corporate ladder. And if the thought of figuring out how to best support your people and yourself feels overwhelming and impossibly hard, let's talk. We're here to do the heavy lifting with resources and materials, along with the training and facilitation, leaving you to do what you do best, engaging with and supporting your people. We have many ways to support you from full service hands-on to guidance and support from afar. So let's chat about what works best for you and your people. As always, I'm here if you need me.